0: I'd like to take a moment to thank my mom for listening to every episode. Now, my mom is the real reason you're listening to this show right now, but the sponsors have a little something to do with it as well. So I'd like to thank our sponsors too. Cleo, Alert Communications, Scorpion, TimeSolve. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients and chasing overdue bills. At TimeSolve, our attorneys have the tools to achieve a 97% collection rate, that means more revenue for the same work and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. It's The Legal Toolkit with Jared Korea, With guest Steve Fresson, a round of shitty Olympic events. And in a last gasp effort to restore the fad, Jared debuts his new sea shanty-themed death metal barbershop quartet. But first, your host, Jared Correa! It's the Legal Toolkit Podcast, folks. Sadly, this is not one of those situations where I have a toolbox full of delightful talking tools like Handy Manny. Incidentally, the Handy Manny theme song is a bop. Don't at me. That's right, I'm your host, Jared Correa. Richard Karn was unavailable, so you're stuck with me. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. You can find out more about Gideon at gideonlegal.com. Before we get to our interview today with Steve Fretzen of Fretzen Inc., I want to take a moment to talk about how I was on documentaries before they captured the popular zeitgeist. Let me just tell you, Ken Burns is a really weird dude. But I probably didn't have to tell you that. I mean, he lives in New Hampshire, produces documentaries for a living, and looks like what would happen if Kermit the Frog and Kenny Rogers' ventriloquist dummy made sweet, sweet love and had a baby. I met Ken Burns in person, when he gave a presentation at my college, which is also in New Hampshire. So because this was happening in the early 2000s, I bought my DVD copy of The Civil War, the holy grail of documentary series, in the high hopes that he might sign it for me. Uh, That was not an easy task, by the way. That motherfucker is like 11 hours long. So that was a lot of DVDs. After the speech, I walked up to KB, handed him a Sharpie and asked him to sign my DVD set. So you're right, in the nexus of loserdom, I'm right up there with Ken Burns, I asked a documentary producer to sign my box set of DVDs. I'm not proud of it. Anyways, uh, apparently this wasn't a regular thing because Ken Burns looked totally bewildered, but he dutifully took the Sharpie out of my hands and the DVD set as well and signed the front of the box set. And then I reached out my hand to take it back, and then he took a DVD out and signed it the back and the front. Then he signed all the other DVDs, backs and fronts. There were six of them. He was writing pretty hard and he almost broke one of them. Then he looked the box set over one more time to see if there were any additional places he could sign. And he was going for that little plastic thing that holds the individual DVDs when I took the box back and said, thanks, we're probably good here. Then he handed the individual DVDs back to me. One by one, now, totally unusable. I mean, he was really pawing at the back of these things, you know, where they play the reflective part. I honestly don't know if he had ever seen a DVD before. So I've only gotten four autographs in my life, and while each story is unique in its own way, this one is absolutely the weirdest. Mostly, I just wanted to tell the story about how weird Ken Burns was when I met him. But I'm still a fan, and I love pretty much everything he's produced. I celebrate the guy's entire catalog. My favorite is the Civil War, obviously. Baseball, phenomenal. Jazz, great. The Vietnam War, amazing. The war about World War II, stupendous. As is country music, well, you've probably got it by now. But even the short stuff, like not the 9-11 hour documentaries like The Roosevelt's An intimate History or Huey Long, those are fantastic also. I love to read, and I've read plenty of books on history, but I always find something new, some rare tidbit in Ken Burns' stuff. Now, Ken Burns was the OG of documentarians, uh, which I suppose makes me the OG of documentary watchers? But in recent years, documentaries have exploded in popularity, especially true crime documentaries like Making a Murderer and Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. There's some obvious reasons why documentaries are in vogue right now. I mean, during a pandemic, it's easier to cobble together programming using archived footage. And even outside of a pandemic, it's still cheaper than filming a live-action movie. And not to mention that lots of these documentaries lean hard into the stranger-than-fiction category, which people seem to love. Yes, it's true. Humans are fucked up. And although this stuff is cyclical, I hope that documentary craze is here to stay for at least a little while longer. It suits me just fine. But if you're not a documentary person, don't worry. I've got you. Here are five documentaries you should watch over the next 10 years to ensconce yourself in the drama, the pageantry. Yeah, I said 10 years. These things are really long. All right, number one, The Civil War, PBS, Obvi. Next, The Men Who Built America, which is a fantastic History Channel documentary. It's about Leland Stanford and Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford, and J.P. Morgan. One of my favorite documentaries ever. Long Shot on Netflix is another one you should check out. This is just a crazy documentary about a guy who established an alibi in a murder investigation using footage from the TV show Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is also good. You should check that out. Not a documentary, however. Getting a little darker, Hillsborough from ESPN. This is like a super sad documentary about these soccer fans who died in a crush at a soccer stadium in the late 1980s. And let's lighten things up a little bit. Number five is The Last Waltz, Martin Scorsese's documentary about the band's final show. And if you're checking that out, make sure you watch for Van Morrison's performance of Caravan. It is transcendent. Caravan is an amazing song from the Moondance album. And I may reserve this for another monologue at some point, but side B, side 2, when sides existed on albums of Moondance is absolutely the best B-side of any album, in my informed opinion. Come Running, Brand New Day, Everyone, These Dreams of You, Glad Tidings, Not Necessarily In Order. Good stuff. Check that out. I do want you to know that I worked very hard not to include five Ken Burns documentaries in this list. I kept it to one. You're welcome. Now, before we talk to our guest, Steve Fretzen of Fretzen Inc. about podcasting. Yep, that's right. We're talking about podcasting on a podcast, very meta, and some of the worst Olympic sports ever, let's see what kind of data sets Joshua Lennon has scraped up for you this week. That's right. It's the Clio Legal Trends Report Minute up next. In 2020, 7% of legal professionals let go of their commercial office space in favor of maintaining a virtual practice. And another 12% are unsure if they will keep their commercial office spaces in the future. I'm Joshua Lennon, Lawyer in Residence at Clio. There's no question that beyond the pandemic, clients will still look for the convenience of remote meetings and online communication. Already, 56% of clients prefer video conferencing over a phone call. For lawyers, this presents a major opportunity to reduce overhead, saving upwards of $10,000 per lawyer in office expenditures. The cost savings here can both help with firm profits and be passed on to clients. To learn more about these opportunities and much more for free, download Clio's Legal Trends Report at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O. Okay, it's about time to get to the crispy crust of the deep dish pizza that is this podcast. But if you want thin crust pizza in Chicago, definitely go to Barnaby's. Right, Steve?
1: Yes, Barnaby's is the bomb.
0: Barnaby's sounds amazing. I was just saying, next time I'm out in Chicago, I'm going to hit it up. Let's interview our guest. You've already heard from him. My guest today is Steve Fretzen, who is the owner of Fretzen Inc. and a business coach for lawyers. Steve, thanks for coming into the show. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this will be fun.
0: I like how you named your business after yourself. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I was thinking about doing the same thing when I started my consulting practice. I was gonna call it Korea Counselor, but I just couldn't do it. It sounded so cheesy. That was the right decision, right?
1: Probably. Yeah, I mean, I feel- just to share. I mean, my business was called originally Sales Results, and you know what lawyers don't like?
0: Sales. That's it.
1: <laughs> so I had I had I had attorneys walking around with my materials, and they were getting funny looks on the train, and they got they came back to me and said, "Hey, you know, we're not liking your name anymore." I was like, "Okay, maybe I'll." I'll have to come up with something different that isn't so offensive to the delicate flowers.
0: (laughs) That's what's so cool about having a unique name. You can name anything after yourself. That's it. Yeah, lawyers hate sales. It's totally true. Which is funny because lawyers have this notion that like, oh, there's going to be a bunch of people who are going to just walk up to me and be like, hey, man, here's a stack of cash. Can you do legal work for me? (laughs) But we podcasted about that before don't want to get into that again that's a fraught topic i want to talk to you about podcasting are you game for that you want to get real meta let's do it we're going to talk about podcasting on a podcast i think this is going to go well you've got a podcast which you started and you've got like a super aggressive recording schedule i don't know how you do it but i think you do an awesome job with the podcast you get a lot of great guests can you talk a little bit about your podcast why you started it the focus you've taken that kind of thing.
1: Sure, sure. So the show is called Be That Lawyer, and it's a show that's all about helping lawyers to do just that, be that lawyer, someone who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. And the concept is... I bring on rainmakers. I bring on experts. I've had you on the show, Jared. I mean, anyone that has an expertise. Sometimes you have
0: experts, sometimes not, right? Sometimes
1: I do, and then I also brought you on. Right, right, right. But it's, it's, it's really to give people tactical, actionable things that they can do to grow their law practice, improve efficiencies, develop business. So I'm bringing on podcast experts i'm bringing on marketing experts i'm bringing on efficiency experts software you know database management practice management software experts anyone that i can interview to get to the bottom of how to do things more efficiently to make more money in less time and and get greater results that's really what the show is all about
0: yeah i like how you did be that lawyer sometimes on this show we do don't be that lawyer like don't Don't be be that lawyer. lawyer Okay. Don't be the lawyer who doesn't understand technology. Don't be that lawyer. But if you want to learn how to be a good lawyer, listen to Steve's podcast. So why did you why did you decide to do it? It seems like everybody has a podcast these days, but like not everybody can stick to it. Not everybody finds something that works for them. How did you decide to go this route, and why do you think it's been successful?
1: Yeah, I think I had that hesitancy about you know doing something that everyone else is doing, but I've heard. So I got into podcasts maybe just two or three years ago. And really found myself listening while I was driving, while I was walking the dog, while I was doing all this stuff. And I I just started, and then I started listening to some business ones. And I was like, wow, I'm getting all these great ideas and tips. And I said, you know, maybe I could do one. But if I did one, what would it be? And how would I get guests? And I don't know any of this. So the key for (laughs) me was I got introduced to a producer, to a production company out of California. And they said, look, we'll do the production, the editing, the this, the that, the other. And all you have to do is essentially record a 30-minute show, send it to us, and you're out. And I said, well, that's perfect. Like, I am super busy. I don't have time to sit and try to figure out how to do any of this stuff. And that was really the key. And I just knew that it would be a way to help attorneys and give back with, you know, look, I'm working with a very small segment of the legal population. I mean, it's a percentage of a percentage of a percentage. Talk about, you know, lawyers that are in private practice that that are interested in business development, and and by the way, also highly ambitious. Well, that's not a great segment, but that's my segment. Mm -hmm. So I figured, let me do a program that could reach to a greater segment that might get value and they're not going to become my clients, but they're going to be people that I'm helping and I can really add value in the legal in the legal community.
0: Well that talks about the value of niching down too, right? It's okay if you have a smaller segment of the population. Like nobody's going to go out there and get every single person to buy their services. So having a niche makes a ton of sense and focusing on that in a podcast. As I mentioned, you've had like a pretty aggressive recording schedule. Like how have you been able to keep that up? Because that's I think that's one of the toughest things for people is to decide to do like a weekly podcast, let's say, and actually stick to doing it every week. How do you maintain that self-discipline?
1: Yeah, the key has been that I continue to make and develop new relationships and leverage past guests to get new guests. So I'm constantly asking clients and guests and people like, who else should be on the show? Mm-hmm. Who else do you know that that you think would be a successful person for me to interview that has a lot to say and is it really good at what he or she does? And what happened was I originally started out with a, a weekly show, and I found myself getting so far ahead where I was saying, hey, you know, we're, we're going to record, you know, in, in July, and I'm going to put you out in, you know, October. Well, I don't think people want to record a podcast in July and then hear about it in October. So I actually moved to twice a week. Now, I don't know if I can maintain that kind of rigorous schedule, but that's what I'm doing and. Um, I'm way ahead. I mean, I think I've got like 10 or 12 in the bank at any given time. So it's something that I enjoy doing, and I think when you enjoy doing something, it makes it easier to focus on it and stay on top of it. and uh, And so that's kind of what I mean. I've already done two podcasts today before we're recording this. <laughs> You're so an one, and one was in one was a, a woman in Tokyo, so it was like ten o'clock her time and like oh, seven thirty cool. my time. And then uh, and then a good friend of mine who's a rainmaker at a firm. So I'm I'm not podcasted out. I mean, I just so much fun to interview and to be interviewed and to go through this that uh, you lose it. It feels like five minutes, but it's thirty minutes has passed before you even. Back an eye.
0: Right. So if you kind of look at it as like a networking opportunity as well, yeah. that's a great motivator, I think, for attorneys.
1: I'm meeting so many people. It's, it's off the charts how many people I'm meeting. Amazing people.
0: That's awesome. I want to come back to this benefits of podcasting in a second, but I want to come back to something you talked about before, which is hiring somebody to help you out with this. I'm fortunate because we have a great team at Legal Tide Network. Like Evan, the producer who you've met is amazing. Yeah. Adam Lockwood is the engineer. He's great. Lawrence Coletti's is pretty good. Um, in terms of hiring somebody out, right? Like I think a lot of attorneys look at this and they say, well, I'm a perfectionist. I like to do things right and I do everything. So I'm going to start a podcast and it's going to be a DIY podcast. Would you recommend people do that or would you have them take a look at hiring somebody to do the engineering work?
1: The reality is that I've talk to a lot of people about starting their own podcast and each and every time I suggest they get an expert involved because especially for lawyers if that's if that's you know who we're talking about I mean if you're mm-hmm. billing three to seven hundred dollars an hour and you're spending your time editing and producing and putting graphics together and all it's just a major headache and it's really right. not how you should be spending your time so I'm almost always pushing people that if you're gonna do it get a professional team to help you. It really isn't that expensive at the end of the day. And the amount of exposure that it can get for you if you do it right can be absolutely phenomenal.
0: Well, I talk to lawyers about this all the time. Like nobody that you're gonna hire, by and large, is gonna charge more than you. So (laughs) instead of doing that, you can spend your time billing. Like the math is easy. Yeah. So I think it's great that you brought that up. So one of the things you talked about, as we mentioned, was the networking opportunities here kind of forcing you to reach out and talk to people. What other benefits have you found from podcasting since you've been into it?
1: Well, if you think about it, if you're interviewing a guest who has a sizable network and the show comes out and say, hey, the show's live and I'm going to promote it all over social media and all over my email newsletter, et cetera, the other person does the same thing, right? And you're getting all this exposure to new people that you never would have had previously, and so it's been amazing to not only interview people all over the world, but also all these relationships where, you know, they're promoting, I'm promoting, we're getting to know each other, we're becoming friends. I'll give you a, the best example I can give you, Jared. Is, oh, great.
0: I love stories. Hit me.
1: Well, this is the best example. I had a mindset of if you're a business development coach for lawyers, okay, and, and to say how many there are, it's hard to tell at this point, but there's more yeah. and more every single year and that's fine. Okay, but I saw them as competitors, right? So I'm like avoiding them. I'm not interacting with them. I'm not, and I've now made probably five or 10 new friends, new relationships with people that do things very similar to me and it's been amazing. We're giving each other feedback. We're sharing uh, ways of of growing business together. We even have one like little coaching group that gets together a month and we give each other, <laughs> you know, digestible feedback. It's just it's just been so eye-opening to that mindset of abundance that I think I had before but maybe not with people in my specific sector. And now yeah. that's changed. And I want to be friends with everybody and I I think our enemy is Apathy, lawyer apathy. It's not, we're not competitors. We're competing against lawyers doing nothing. And we right. all kind of agree on that.
0: Yeah, I kind of have the same philosophy. That's really cool. All right, so I think we've answered this question, turning it to should lawyers podcast. Obvious answer seems to be yes. But I get this a lot when I talk to lawyers about podcasting. I'm like, you should totally podcast. They're like, but you're a business consultant. You own a technology company. You get to talk about cool stuff. I don't. <laughs> so if I'm a lawyer, a practicing lawyer, Like, what would the content be for, like, what could I talk about? What could I do? What can my podcast be about that would actually be appealing to people? Because I think that's an issue for a lot of lawyers.
1: Well, I think that the, you know, you have to look at what's out there and maybe there's something missing in the sector. Okay. Yeah. Number one. Number two, what are you passionate about? You know, what do you want to talk about that's going to be, you know, interesting, you know, to you, if you're just talking about something that, that might be relevant to the world, but it's not interesting to you, you're not going to keep it up. You're going to, you're going to be one of these shows that goes six months and then it's done. And then the other thing is, you know, where could you find a lot of guests? Because if you have a show and it's about interviewing guests and there's, you know, 10 people that you could interview in the world, that's probably not going to be a very good show either. The other thing I was thinking about is, do you really need to have a show about the law? Let's say that your passion is baseball. I answer maybe, no. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you know, maybe your passion is baseball, and if that's the case, maybe you're talking about baseball, and that's your show. It's a baseball theme show, and everybody gets to know that you're a lawyer, and you become known as the guy, the baseball lawyer guy. That's okay too. So I think you really have to consider what your passion is, what's missing in this in, in you know in the world that you could fill, or maybe do something that does exist, but do have a different spin on it. Either way, and it's got to be interesting, right? Because no one's, no one's going to... I, I turn off shows, even like my wife and I, we watch Netflix and we watch all these things. If we can't get through three episodes right. and want to continue, it's done. And we've canceled shows very quickly because we're just losing interest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think those are a lot of great points. We're about to run out of time on the interview segment here, but let me ask you, like, what are your like top three or so tips for... Lawyers who are going to start a podcast? What should they know? What should they be looking out for?
1: I would say, number one, know your audience and do something really good for that segment. Number one. Number two is absolutely get professional help to set it up, to help you come up with the title, to help you come up with the graphics, to set up the music, all the things that you should not be doing unless that's your background or unless that's your passion or something you're interested in doing and right. get that production on the backside. And then the third is consider that a podcast is not only great for branding, but it's also great for networking. It's great for meeting interesting people and developing out your relationships. And so really focus on getting to know your guests, not just as the guest of the show, but as someone that could be really influential in your world from a business development perspective, from a marketing perspective, from a relationship perspective. I feel like I could go to Boston, I could go to DC, I could go to Tokyo, and I'm gonna have relationships there that I never would have had two years ago. And uh, and I could, you know, get taken to great, you know, restaurants or whatever and have, you know, new experiences because I, I now have all these relationships I just didn't have before.
0: I gotta ask you one more thing. So sound quality, super important. You gotta oh. have a badass mic to podcast. So yeah. what are you using for a mic these days?
1: So I have a a little bit of an outdated. It's probably three or four years old. It's an Apogee mic. And I originally bought it to interview managing partners in their offices, just like plug it into my iPhone. And that's where I started and then uh, did 20 of those. And then obviously just moved it to my mic stand here in my office for, for this. But the sound quality, I think, is so key. If there right. isn't good sound quality in a podcast, I will shut it down. I will not spend... 20 minutes 10 minutes listening to it because it's just it's it's to me the most important thing
0: oh without a doubt like i do the same thing like if it sounds like somebody's just yelling into a computer on zoom i'm out yeah i have an older mic too but it still sounds pretty good i'd like to think they're broken in
1: yeah there you go uh, i like it
0: steve you sticking around for the next segment or every i
1: don't off? know i don't know how i feel about it i got a little butterflies time to going tap on. out i got butterflies <laughs> can you tell me what the topic is and then i can tell you if i'm leaving or staying
0: Oh, you'll find out in a second.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I guess I'm staying.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you. That was great. So everybody, that was Steve Fretzen, superstar business coach for lawyers. Don't worry. He may be back in a second. We'll find out. We'll just take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the Rump Roast. It's even more supple than the Roast Beast. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365, as an extension of your firm in both Spanish and English. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568, or visit alertcommunications.com LTN. Now, more than ever, an effective marketing strategy is one of the most important things your law firm can have, and Scorpion can help. With nearly 20 years of experience serving the legal industry, Scorpion has proven methods to help you get the high-value cases you deserve. Join thousands of attorneys across the country who have turned to Scorpion for effective marketing and technology solutions. For a better way to grow your practice, visit scorpionlegal.com. Welcome back. It's the rear end of the legal toolkit, the rump roast. It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. With the 2021 Tokyo Olympics having just ended, we're going to play a game called shitty Olympic events. Steve, are you ready? All to right, play?
1: I, can, I can definitely handle that. I was worried, worried, worried. <laughs> and now I'm like, I know lots of shitty uh, Tokyo events or Olympic oh. events. So I think we'll find...
0: Well, why don't we do this? Why don't you tell me the worst event you've seen so far at the Tokyo Olympics? And then we can get into my list.
1: Now, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want somebody with an air rifle coming after me, which hint, <laughs> I just gave it away. Uh, that's, that's fair. Yeah, that's pretty crazy.
0: Are you ready to play? Here's what I'm going to do I'm going to name or describe an actual Olympic sport, and yes. it's going to be your job to name it.
1: All right, let's go for it.
0: Two more things. <laughs> Just to ramp up the degree of difficulty, Mm. these can be summer or winter Olympic events, and they don't have to be current Olympic events. Oh, wow. All right, we'll do the first one. Some of these I've taken from Wikipedia because I'm lazy. This sport combines cross-country skiing and rifle shooting. It's treated as a race with contestants skiing through a cross-country trail whose distance is divided into shooting rounds. The shooting rounds are not timed per se, but depending on the competition, missed shots result in extra distance or time being added to the contestant's total. And I'll 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 be a good person and tell you that that's a Winter Olympics event: shooting and skiing. What events is that?
1: That is called skiing shooting competition. I'm pretty sure that's the technical term. <laughs> Very is close. That, was I like close? <laughs>
0: It's very descriptive.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I just, I'll just continue to repeat everything I hear from you, and that'll be the sport that it is now being. Yes, and they might actually yes. change it. They might actually change the name. I think they will. My, due to my answer.
0: After hearing this, that's actually called a biathlon. Oh, my God. Which I'm secretly trying to train my kids for. I'm like, you know, you guys should do, like, these crazy events and maybe get a college scholarship out of this. So.
1: I mean, when I find Working myself in a forest, Jared, and I've got skis on and, and a gun, I try to, you know, take down some heavy animals when I'm skiing right. and shooting in the woods. I
0: mean, I so. mean why not? And who's not I mean, skiing it, with a Who's not doing days? that exact thing
1: all the time? That's common, especially I, in Chicago. I've been doing I mean, it in the summer. Yeah. That might be like a post-apocalyptic, you know, sport, right? With zombies.
0: We'll it see. probably should be. be all, right. all right. I got several more for you. So hang okay. in there. I'm one for this, one so far. So keep yeah, on coming. Yeah, I'm counting that one. I'm counting yeah. that one. Number two. A long-distance discipline within the sport of athletics. Although a foot race, it is different from running in that one foot must appear to be in contact with the ground at all times. This is assessed by race judges. What kind of event is that?
1: That would be speed walking.
0: Oh, yes, I'm going to give you that one. It's yes! Te- technically, I guess it's called race walking.
1: Oh, for crying out loud. I'm going I'm to give Come it to on. you. You're, t- you're it's for speed two. walking. I'm it we to all you. know that. You move your arms real fast. Right and other things right. too. That's well, you, people
0: have seen like the memes online with people like looking constipated and trying to walk and they're sashing back Yeah, it's like it's and and like forth, that like. last
1: ten seconds before you hit the bathroom after a bad <laughs> meal. That's right. I it's think like what the, that is.
0: It's the weirdest. It's the weirdest <laughs> sport. <laughs> I've there done is. that
1: walk before, and I'm not proud to admit it, but I I've made that walk a few times in my right. life. Right, I'm
0: like I probably shouldn't have gotten the extra pepperoni at Barnaby. That's it. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> hey now, we don't talk. We don't talk ill. <laughs> About Barnaby's. No, sa- no. Bar- I've,
0: I've actually never been to Barnaby's. Domino's. All right. Ugh. Number three. This event requires swimmers to dive off of a platform into the water and travel as far as they can in 60 seconds without moving any limbs.
1: That's a thing? This, this, Is that, that's, this, that's not syn- this, synchronized uh, <laughs> platform diving, which I've been watching. Oh, synchronized
0: platform diving. They that's jump a off a platform
1: and they can't move?
0: Yes. This was an actual thing. Do you want to hazard a guess?
1: Yes, dead man's dive.
0: Uh that's very close. It's called Ooh. distance plunging.
1: Oh my lord. This is an
0: actual sport that was Is it still it was, No, it's not no. now. The last okay. one was that I kind of I kind of went a little uh, deep catalog here. Like 1700s or something. 1904 Olympics oh, in St. Louis.
1: What a trick so question you, you that is. You
0: dive in the water and you just float. It's like it's like anyone, Is it about literally dive? Is it, anyone about, the could dive? Do is it this? about not
1: moving the dive <laughs> and then into the water? Is it after you hit the water? And you, you get di- knocked right. unconscious. After you're you unconscious, float, you, you just float. float. <laughs> like you're dead, and then you win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Pretty much. It's, what a weird sport. Like, I couldn't believe this existed. See, I wanted to give you a couple easy ones to start with, and then we're going to get really weird. Oh, okay. All right. Here's the next one. In this event, ice skaters would draw intricate patterns into the ice, submit the designs to the judges to review and then complete those figures with their movements on the ice. So they would doodle on the ice and then follow that pattern around. That was actually an Olympic event. Do you know what it was called? Uh,
1: doodle icing. <laughs> that's, that's Again, just like my first answer, answer right? I, I, can pull, <laughs> I can pull these answers out at will.
0: All right, I got some history for you. It's called special figures, right? Oh my Lord. And this is an actual event. Believe it or not, it was during the summer Olympics in London. In 1908. They held a ice skiing event during the Summer Olympics oh for my. some weird reason. There were only three competitors, so everybody medaled. <laughs> that may be the shittiest Olympic event ever.
1: Yeah, that did that didn't stick.
0: But wait, there's more. Next event. In this event, skiers wear a harness attached to a horse. The horses and the skiers race around on a course on a frozen lake. Basically, this is a horse race with horses pulling dudes on skis.
1: Okay, I like that. If
0: you get this, I will be highly impressed
1: do i have a few minutes to google sure yeah no, google i can't go google google. away I'm not gonna uh, google.
0: actually nobody googles on the show which is great because it would be a pretty horrible podcast if we waited for people to google yeah so give me give me 10-15
1: seconds let me google and we'll figure it out um oh no
0: I'm, I'm just gonna tell you what it is it's all right tell room. me
1: because that one's way off
0: base it was called ski during Ski-joring. S-K-I-J-O-R-I-N-G. Ski-joring, wow. So this, this was even, this was cruel of me. This was a demonstration sport during the 1928 Winter Olympics in St. Moritz, Switzerland. So basically, this is a sport that they were testing. It looks like, it looks pretty cool, but apparently people said it was really boring to watch. I mean, here's I a did. thought.
1: Test it out before it's in the Olympics.
0: Yeah. Right? yeah. Make Maybe sure that people are interested, then
1: add it to the Olympics, like they did yeah. with skateboarding.
0: Right. I don't think people are necessarily clamoring for ski drink. No. But no. they might be now. We'll see.
1: I think actually now it would be more interesting than back then, because especially if they gave them guns, then there's a whole other thing.
0: Right, right. You could have the biathlon version of ski biathlon? drink. Yes, that, yes. That I would watch.
1: All right, let's do it. That
0: last one. I got one more for you. Okay. In this event, a single swimmer makes motions in conjunction with a chosen musical piece.
1: I want to say synchronized swimming.
0: Correct but yes. solo synchronized swimming. Solo, okay. This only lasted for three Olympics with mm. the last event being held in the 1996 Atlanta Games. So basically it's like synchronized swimming without other people.
1: But I think isn't weird. part of what makes synchronized swimming interesting, and by the way, not to me, is the fact that, that with a lot of people doing it together, it looks interesting.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. I think people thought it was weird because like it's just one person like water dancing. Let's, I feel like they should call this water dancing that's what i'm gonna water throw that dancing out there. that's
1: the name yeah
0: all right when i'm executive director of the water dancing foundation of america in two years you know it started here make a play steve hey that was pretty good i thought thanks you man you know I, I
1: studied for this really hard oh,
0: you totally did you totally yeah. did yeah 2021 tokyo olympics we're watching it live so steve thank you you're great i appreciate you coming on
1: hey thanks jared
0: If you want to find out more about Steve Fretzen and his business coaching services, visit Fretzen.com. That's F-R-E-T-Z-I-N.com. Now, for the 29 of you listening in Golf, Illinois, our Spotify playlist for this week's show is Sports Anthems. So get your foam fingers ready. Sadly, we're fresh out of show. And even though sea shanties are played out, I've run out of time to debut my new barbershop death metal quartet, The Eagles of the Eagles of Death Metal. I guess we'll just have to wait for my commentary on the concert tour DVD release. That'll do it for another episode of Legal Toolkit Podcast, where my 10-year-old Little League team will always be champions. No one can take that away from us, despite the recent doping scandal.
1: Workers' Comp Matters is a podcast dedicated to exploring the laws, the landmark cases, and the true stories that define our workers' compensation system. I'm Judd Pierce, and together with Alan Pierce, we host a different guest each month as we bring to life this diverse area of the law. Join us on Workers' Comp Matters on the Legal Talk Network.